You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, your boy Pat Lane here with my good friend Matt St. Jean. And today we are joined by one of the best members of the Sco Show Slack channel. Uh, just an absolute savage when it comes to uh, scouting draft picks, uh, draft prospects. And so we had to have him on the show, John Limbaracus. John, thanks for coming on with us, man. This is going to be awesome. I have looked forward to this for weeks. Let's go. <laughs> I love the energy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bringing the energy. I love it. I love it. Um, so before we get into the show, and this is kind of – I want I want to start the show off with this. Uh, there's not a ton of people watching just yet, but if you're listening on the YouTube, uh, we'll circle back to this at the end of the show as well. But we kind of teased it last week a little bit. We got a giveaway going on, okay? We have a giveaway going on. Um, here's how it's going to work, Okay. We're looking for 250 subscribers to the YouTube channel by the start of the draft. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask. I know. Okay. It's a new YouTube channel, but 250, I feel like isn't that much to ask. Just go on to YouTube, Pat's Nation Network, hit the subscribe button. Okay. If we get to 250 before the draft and you're on the draft, here's how it works. You got to be on the draft. All right, we're gonna we're gonna give something away. It's a little I got it in my nice little my nice little bag. Went to the pro shop, picked it up. The night of the draft, draft night, one Patriots player is gonna walk away with a Patriots draft hat, and one of our listeners is also gonna walk away with a Patriots draft. Look at that freaking hat, dude. That hat is sick. Yeah, with, they did with it. the red. I love the red logo on the side. Yeah. These are these are much better than some of the past yeah. draft hats. Some of them have been real rough. This one's I mean, actually like, like I'd wear the that logo in <laughs> inside the Patriot. That's pretty dope. So, so that's the idea. Okay. So number one, you're gonna have to be subscribed to the podcast, obviously, and then number two, you're just gonna have to comment on the stream at any point. Doesn't matter what you say. You could say you're here. You can comment something actually like you know helpful or like, you know, talking about the show or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Just make a comment on the stream. We're going to be live the first night of the NFL draft. We'll be live all night long. We have a bunch of guests lined up. Um, and so if you're there at any point and you subscribe to the YouTube channel, we're going to put your name in a hat and one person is going to walk away with that hat. So uh, we'll talk about it. We'll continue to talk about it. We'll continue to hype it up. Uh, but one subscriber to the YouTube channel is going to walk away with that hat. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet hat. Uh, so we're going to mail it to you and everything. You'll be all set. And so, again, a Patriots player, the newest Patriots player is going to be walking away with that hat, and so aren't you. That's what, we, that's what we're trying to give you uh, as a subscriber, just to say, say a little thank you. And I know people had reached out about stickers. Um, I do have some stickers. I will send some out. I've been meaning to do that. Matt doesn't even have any stickers. So I got to no, I I get some stickers out there. Um, so I will, I will get some out to people. I know people have been asking, but – uh, so that's that's the idea, okay? Subscribe to the YouTube channel and then comment at any point during the first round stream. We'll throw all of those names into a hat. 
and uh, and we'll give we'll give that uh, that gift away. All right, it's exciting stuff. Exciting I stuff. I love it. Uh, also, my dad is would like to point out that I was not the one that went to the pro shop, and he was. But I, that's true. <laughs> okay, but nevertheless, I love your your dad's correction during the show. It's the best. <laughs> So, um, you know, he's good for, he's good for a few every, every episode. So, and I deserve it. He's right. He's correcting me. And so, um, all right. So John, we know you're here to talk about the draft and we started with, with a little giveaway, which is great. We're still not getting a draft talk yet because we have to talk about this freaking Mac Jones disaster. This is, it's, it's just a, it's a nightmare. It's just a nightmare that we got to listen to this crap again. And, you know, it's really, it's, Mac Jones is not at fault here. I, I I don't know how you can find fault with Mac Jones at all in this situation. Maybe he didn't handle it right last year, but he was put in one of the worst situations you could possibly imagine going from Josh McDaniels as his QB coach and, and offensive coordinator to Joe Judge as his QB coach and Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator. That's an absolute dumpster fire. And, oh, by the way, they didn't have an offensive line coach. So, you know, talk about a guy who comes out in his rookie year and plays well, and then you just throw him to the Wolves the second year. It just didn't sit right with me. And, you know, if Belichick supposedly pissed off and wants to trade him, like, that's insanity to me. And I I don't think he wants to trade him. I think this was a Mike Florio report, and everybody that's plugged into New England has said, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing to this. So I was listening to Andrew Callahan before this, and he had made a point that, like, we, well, hey, it feels like 2022 is dragging into 2023, and these guys need like we need a, a clean slate here. And it's like, I feel like there there might actually be a clean slate behind the scenes. And the only reason it doesn't appear like there is is because the, all these stories keep popping up. But all these stories keep popping up about things that happened last year. Like right. I feel like this is it's the media drumming things up. I don't I don't think this has anything to do with how Mac and Bill feel about each other right now, or at least it's not fully indicative of that. Yeah, to me, this is a nothing burger, and I think we should move on from it. I don't really trust what Florio has to say. I think he's getting some clicks, and uh, if Mac doesn't do well this year, then it's a different story. But we have to give him another year with actually you know, competent coaching before we can start drawing inappropriate conclusions. That's not to totally excuse him from last year. Uh, he has some culpability here, but let's not overreact. There's a lot. There's a lot to like too. Yeah, he was he was pretty good as a rookie. He wasn't like great or anything, but he was the best rookie quarterback, and uh, he played pretty well. So I think expecting him to get back to that level of performance is fair and you give him a year to see if he can do it and you go from there. I mean, it's unless something else falls into your lap that you can't turn down. Like it's not, you don't have Tom Brady here. If Lamar Jackson says, I want to play with the new England Patriots and I will come at a discount, then all right, now we're talking, (laughs) but that's uh, yeah. Okay. There is a curveball here though. There is the curveball, and we're talking about the draft. No it's way. a whole can of worms, but what if, and I'm just saying, what if Anthony Richardson's there at seven, Vegas says, you give us Mac and pick 14, we'll make the deal. 
that is a potential curveball. We don't have to deep dive into it, but I think that if a situation comes up in the draft where they can get to a guy without giving up too much, that's something that they are going to want to consider. Yeah. So, so Mac, yeah. Mac has not played himself out of these conversations, which I think we all know, and he probably knows too. I guess a lot of the tension we're hearing about is because nobody's okay with the performance last year. They're all very competitive people in that building, and they all know it's a business, and I'm sure they'd love for things to work out in New England, and that's going to be the priority, but you can't, again, it's not Tom Brady back there. You can't just say he's untouchable at this point. Well, and I, on, John. I agree with you there. And look, the Lamar Jackson thing is the only is the only situation for me that I would be totally okay with. Lamar is an elite player. I have some questions about his durability. Um, but you know, then you wonder is that is that Baltimore, right? Baltimore had a terrible training staff, as documented by many people, including Carl Davis and um and Matthew Judon. So maybe that's why he's having those types of things, right? And so maybe he comes here and it's a little bit better. He's going to have to get paid a ton of money. But maybe you look at this at this league and you say, we can't win without an elite-level quarterback. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if Matthew Stafford is that elite-level quarterback. I don't know if Jimmy G is that elite-level quarterback. I don't, I don't know, right? So maybe you say, oh, well, that's our path. But, like, Anthony Richardson is interesting. I, don't, I wouldn't trade up for Anthony Richardson if, if Richardson somehow fell to 14 and you're sitting there at 14 and someone's willing to trade you a second-round pick for Mac Jones. I'd have to think long and hard about that. I'd have to think long and hard about that, right? Um, I, don't, I still don't know if I'd do it, but, like, I might. You're at a, you know, you're at a like, position where, like, you got a lot of reasonable decisions, and I don't really think the front office can be faulted for any either direction they go. Right. Right, exactly. And so that's kind of, I think ultimately there's a 99% chance that we're holding on to Lamar Jack, that, that we're holding on to Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah. If somehow, I know, right? If somehow Lamar Jackson becomes the quarterback of the Patriots, or again, Anthony Richardson, or even if the team falls in love with Will Levis, and people talk about, you know, Anthony Richardson is a freak athlete. Will Levis is a freak athlete too. Now, he's not Anthony Richardson. I understand that, but he is a freak athlete. He is from New England. He is from New England, from Massachusetts. It'd be an interesting story. It'd be an interesting story. I know, John, you're not as high on Will Levis. I know a lot of people aren't as high on Will Levis, but it would be an interesting situation if the team loved him for for some reason, right? I can see them loving him. I don't think they will, but still, John and I, we've talked about this before that uh, Levis still reminds me way too much of Carson Wentz in a variety of ways for me to be comfortable with taking him. Yeah. Yeah. Remember what Will was talking about accuracy and anticipation. And you look at Will Levis, he, he just doesn't have them. Yeah. They're, I think they're more likely to take a Hendon Hooker in the second round with as like the Jalen Hurts pick of we have our quarterback, but we're not entirely sold. So we're going to take a, a chance on a guy. But I think that's way more likely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. So. Anyways, now that the Mac stuff is over, I, I think, look, people are talking about things. People are, you know, Tommy Karn had had Florio on the podcast the other day and was like, oh, you know, he's just not making it up. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he's done that before, you know, like, so I don't know. Again, maybe not making it up, but like, I don't know. Did Bill Belichick have a conversation about, well, you know, you know, we're not. 
we're not trading Mac Jones like Arizona did with Josh Rosen. And then it gets construed as, well, I overheard Bill Belichick saying that, you know, they might trade. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's also like, I feel like there's been a lot of weird, bad reports, like almost personal reports about Mac Jones over the last couple of months. And it makes me wonder if there is somebody who has ties to the team who has an issue with him, who is a source for somebody right now. And that's why the stuff keeps coming out. Um, maybe he made the wrong guy angry. Maybe this is Matt Patricia getting back at him for a variety of things last year. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm with you, John. I think this is a nothing burger and we'll yeah. let the decisions of the franchise over the next couple of weeks determine how they feel about him. And then obviously his play on the field once we get to August and September. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into, uh, let's get into In some 20, more fun stuff here. 24. What do you say? I'm sorry. We mi- I missed that. Uh, looks like I cut out for a second. I was saying Patricia being the mole would be the least surprising thing for me in 2023. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising at all. You know, and, and look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Maddie P and Joe judge are pissed at the way that, you know, Mac Jones acted and treated them, but you know what? I'm sorry. I want my quarterback to want perfection. I want my quarterback to want to hold the other people accountable. And that's exactly what he's doing. And look, I, I understand that he, you know, that Belichick is the is the greatest coach of all time. He is. I agree. I think Matty P is a good football coach. I think Joe Judge is a football coach. But like, they're not offensive coaches. That was a mistake by Belichick. It was a mistake. Yeah. You know, I, I've been teaching for I've been teaching for, you know close to 15 years at this point, right? I consider myself to be a very good math teacher, but I couldn't walk into an ELA class, an English class, and teach AP English lit to freaking 12th grade. I can't do that. I cannot do that. I don't know how to do that. Just because I'm a good teacher doesn't mean I'm a good English teacher, right? And so- The skills are the same, but the knowledge is different. Correct. And so, you know, the idea- was that well? If he he's a defensive coach, so he understands offense because he has to stop offenses, which is true. But you don't really know how to run an offense if you're playing on the defense, if you're coaching the defense. So it was a mistake from the beginning. It's something that I think Belichick hasn't outright admitted, but has basically admitted because he got rid of Kraft all of them and brought admitted. in brand new people. <laughs> so like you know, it's and Kraft has you're right. You say basically admitted it. So. I think, you know, we're moving on to 2023 and, and I think things ultimately will end up being okay, but it's a little bit of a mess. Let's talk, let's talk some draft. Let's do it. All right. What position you want to, John, what position do you want to start at, John? Because I think you've got so many guys and we're talking about, you know, best Patriots fits, best guys that we think fit so perfectly with the Patriots do, you know, what, what position you want to start at? Let's start at offensive tackle. Okay. I like it. And I like that's it. your Big area need. of expertise right there. <laughs> this is a tough one. Yeah, so this is a tough one because when you look at the players available, offensive tackle is really stacked at the top. The first three to five guys are uh, basically your, your solid bets at a starter. Once you get past those five guys, it gets hairy fast. So if you don't take a guy in the first round, 
you might not even have a viable starting candidate. So for me, I have three guys I really like for him, but my favorite is Darnell Wright. Yep. Oh, we know how Matt feels about Darnell Wright. Detail or... So if, if they were to go with Darnell Wright, is he somebody you think they could realistically take in the first? And do you think he would slot in as a starter right away? Yeah, I think he would start in as a right tackle right away. He is the most polished in pass pro in terms of use of hands. Uh, his movement skills are great there too. And mirroring, he has different moves to neutralize people. He has a great snatch move. Um, he also, the only thing that he needs to tone down is uh, as a run blocker, he can get um, over aggressive and go for these, um, you know, power kill shots versus, all right, I'm going to line this guy up correctly and, and bulldoze him, but he will pancake guys. Him and Mike on Wenu next to each other would be a dream come true for the run yeah. game. Yeah. I, I mean, am curious. Our power. Yeah. I, you're totally right. I mean, those two guys together would be awesome. I'm curious about it. Right. And, and this is where, and we've talked about obviously Donna right before. I think you had him. I think you took him last, last week. Did you not Matt at 14 in our, in our dueling mock drafts? Pretty sure I did. Yeah. So the question is, and of course that, that didn't allow us to do any trading, but the question is if you're the Patriots, can you trade back? And I think they probably can. Can you trade back from 14 and draft him somewhere in the twenties? Right. Can you do that? Now the other, the other question of course is, will he last to 46? And I don't think, at the beginning of this draft process, I think that was a no-brainer that he was going to last to 46. I think at this point, there's almost no chance that he lasts to 46. Um, and so I, I really do think that that's going to be interesting for the Patriots. If they love him that much and they think this guy's going to be a day-one starter, I think it's, they might take him at 14. But they also might say, you know what, if we can move back to 18, 20 and take him around there, we'd be okay with that and comfortable with that. Um, but to me, I almost feel like the Patriots draft in tiers, right? So you have that first tier. If Darnell Wright is here and everyone else is here, if you're sitting at 14, you got to take him because he's in that top tier and you're worried about it. If he's in the top tier with Broderick Jones, let's say, or, you know, Paris Johnson, and one of those two guys is still available at 14, now I think it's more feasible that they trade back because the chances of one of those guys being available at 20 is much higher than, you know, only one guy's available and that guy has to last to 20. So I think that, you know, that's really, it's just going to depend on how the rest of the draft shakes out um, and how high they are on right. But I think at this point, you know, I think in my, one of my first mock drafts, I had them taking them at like 60 something or something like that after they traded back or in the fifties or something, that's not happening. That's he's, he's almost definitely going to be a first round pick. I think. Yeah. Now, John at, outside of the first round, is there anybody you think that's kind of worth a, a pick as a, a high upside guy, somebody who could contribute in, a, in maybe next year or in two years for the Patriots? Yeah. So there are, couple guys that I would say are are decent and one of them is Blake Freeland. Blake Freeland is at a BYU. He is super athletic. 
the problem with Blake Freeland is he used to be a quarterback and a tight end. So he's still learning how to play the position and he's very inconsistent. He also has tall tackle problems. He struggles to get leverage as a, a run blocker. And you can see in pass bro, he'll f- flash an advanced move, like a, like a jab that he pulls back uh, to beat a defensive uh, lineman or an edge. But then on the next play, he'll give up the inside, and not be able to redirect the guy. So you, if you can take him, he's a ball of clay, and he could be a neat solder type of ceiling. But he's also he has a ton of risk to him. So kind of like that high ceiling, low floor prospect. Yeah, I've seen uh, the actual prospect comparison I've seen thrown around for him is current Patriot Connor McDermott, uh, somebody who's still a little bit of a project and. Um, I mean, hey, if they liked McDermott, I have a feeling they could get by with Freeland. Uh, an offensive tackle is also an interesting position just for the team right now because they drafted, or not sorry, drafted, signed a couple guys in free agency there. And I think it's unsure, I think it's unclear who exactly is going to be the starting right tackle right now and how that's going to square out. So I don't know if they, I don't know how highly they view this as a need. I don't know if they want to go with a Darnell Wright type in the first round or if they feel comfortable waiting and developing somebody. Right, right. And then you have those guys that are the tweener guys, right? The Tyler Steens of the world that, you know, I think can play tackle, but also, you know, might end up as a guard, right? And Skronsky is one of those guys too that like doesn't have the long arms, isn't super tall. Then it's like, and they've 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 gone after those guys before, right? They've done it. They did it with Isaiah Wynn. They've done they've shown the willingness to go after those guys. The question is, will they do that again, right? And so, and how high will they be willing to go after those guys? Um, and so, I think that that's that's another one of those things where you just don't know. You don't know the answer to that question. And and you know how, where do they value those players? Because I think you're right, John. Like once you get past that top five or six you're looking at a bunch of players that I'm like, you know, even I'm doing my mock drafts and I'm trying to have a tackle in there every now and again. And I, you know, as you guys know, if you listen, like I, I try to have a different player in every draft. I, I don't repeat a player ever. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I'm not taking a tackle in the first round. And then I'm like, well, I can't take that guy. And then I can't take that guy. And I'm like, I can't take that guy either. And I'm like, who the heck am I going to take? Because I don't like any of these guys like on the draft. So you know, it, it becomes difficult, that. you know, and so that, you know, I think Matthew Bergeron's another guy that I think is decent. So that, but that's, but again, like. He's hit or miss. Is he five? Yeah. Is he six? Like where, you know, so that's the hard thing to figure out, you know. The tough thing for me with Bergeron is, look, if you look at his tape versus Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida State in particular, that he did not handle speed to power well at all versus guys like Foskey, even guys who don't produce much like Miles Murphy, but has the traits and uh, verse from Florida State. They really just they put him on skates and it was it was pretty bad. And that that worries me about Bergeron. One other name for you, though, day three. This is the opposite of Freeland. This is a guy with a higher floor, but not that high of a ceiling is Carter Warren at a pit. He's got really good length and he's not that athletic, but he he can give you swing tackle pass pro if he just cleans up some of his footwork. Mm, I like it. That's interesting. Okay. Good name. That's a good, good name, name to, to hear for when we get to that point. 
the, the yep. dog days of the draft there. Dog hours Absolutely. of the draft. I love it. I love it. Uh, should, should we stick uh, on the offense and go to the position where they just had somebody in today? A little wide yep. receiver talk, John? Let's do it. I love it. It's Zay Flowers oh, in today, apparently learning the playbook. Yeah, uh, Matt and I, and I think Pat, you too, but I, I know for Matt, we've watched Zay, um, and he is one of my favorites. Um, I've... I see some of Antonio Brown in him. I don't care if it's if if that's an outrageous comp, but I, I really do. Uh, uh, the on field Antonio Brown. Let me just yes say yes that. yes. I um. He's a potential game changer. We're getting a little little lag from John over here. Um, I agree with Zay one hundred percent. Zay is. Man, the the ability after the catch and, you know, his willingness to go over the middle, number one. Uh, you know, and we we kind of put these guys in a box, right? And we say, oh, he's a slot-only guy. You know, JSN, slot-only guy. Zay Flowers, slot-only guy. And you're like, well, okay. And someone made the point, I don't know if it was Mike Renner. I think it was Mike Renner that made the point that was like, okay, well, we ding these guy for guys as being slot-only guys. Cooper Cup's a slot-only guy. He's pretty good. He's He's okay. Right. So it's like maybe if he, maybe even if they are a slot only guy, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be worth the 14 overall guys, you know, the 14 overall pick. Um, and so, you know, I think that Flowers is the guy that I love. It's really hard for me to choose between him and JSN, though I feel like I'd probably go Flowers over JSN because I feel like, though JSN's better than Juju significantly, I think. You have a similar skill set in Juju to JSN, similar, not the same, but similar. And so I think Flowers gives you a little more of that explosiveness. Um, and so that's kind of that's why I'd, I I have Flowers for the Patriots. I have Flowers above JSN a little bit. Yeah, I like that. I mean, in JSN is kind of an interesting prospect. I I could see the Patriots loving him. The Pats have had all four of the guys. Um, that are yeah. projected to go in the first round in for visit, in for visits or visit with them or go right. to a pro day or whatever. We obviously saw the pictures of Belichick with Quentin Johnston from TCU, who I think is a very hit or I don't know if hit or miss. Is it bang or bust? Prospect? Boom or bust. Like, Boom or bust, yeah. Boom or bust, yeah. And he's, I don't know, I could see the Patriots liking him. He's a similar profile to a Nikhil Harry in that he's a big athlete who has a lot of after-the-catch ability. I like him a lot more than I like Nikhil Harry. I also don't know if I would take Quentin Johnson at 14. John, I don't know how you feel about these other names, Addison, JSN, Quentin Johnson at 14. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm all out on Quentin Johnson at 14, and it the reason is is pretty simple for me. He has some of the worst hands I have ever seen scouting. I mean, that bad. And to me, if you have that much trouble with your hands now, it's going to be that much harder in the NFL. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. It doesn't get it does not get easier at the next level. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it does not. It does not. So, I think it's again where it's a it's a similar situation to tackle where I feel like, yeah, 
there's good players. I think there's really good players at the top. I think there are potentially game-changing players at the top. But I do think it's a little bit deeper than the tackle class. I do think that there are some good players behind, right? Josh Downs is getting a ton of love all of a sudden. Tank Dell is a guy that is small, really small, but explosive. Uh, we saw what Marcus Jones was able to do on the offensive side of the football. He's really small, but explosive. I don't know if Tank Dell is quite as explosive as Jones was or is, I should say. But, um, you know, it's just just kind of a peek behind the curtain there. Like, you don't necessarily have to be a big guy to be explosive in an offense. Now, are you a gadget guy if that's the case? Maybe. Um, but, you know, I think you live with that if you can get the explosiveness from a guy like Downs. And But I think that there's a ton of guys. Bryce Ford Wheaton, there's a guy, there's a bunch of guys that I think you can go with later that could develop into something. Or you look at it and say, he's got really good traits at doing this, this, and this, but he's not so good at doing these other four things. And that's why he's really not, you know, a day two pick or day one or day two pick, but you know, he'd be a good, a really good day three pick and we can kind of develop them, you know? So um, if that makes sense, I think we lost John for a minute because I think he's rebooting. So I'm going to remove him here from the stream and then hopefully he'll, he'll pop back in. Um, I, once he, I, can speak once he for, I can speak for him on this. I know John's a huge fan of A.T. Perry uh, yes. out of Wake Forest. That's a guy we've watched together a couple times, and he's somebody that kind of flashes some of that deep speed while also having agility. You wouldn't expect somebody. He's, I think, 6'3 or something like that. Maybe he's taller, a big dude. Yeah. But he has almost Edelman-like agility at the top of some of these routes, um, which I think is – you'd all love to see that out of somebody. Yeah, and I, you know, Wake Forest receiver. I think there's obviously a little bit of question, a little bit of <laughs> some question marks come out if you're scouting <laughs> yeah. the helmet. You would think, right? But but uh, day two or early day three, I think he's a guy. Um, Jonathan Mingo, I, I really like. He sounds like he's shooting up draft boards. The yeah, it sounds guy. like. So it, I feel yeah. like he's a guy I would like in the third, maybe end of the second. I'm not taking him at 46. So if right. that's the range he ends up going, and I'm out. But anything later than that, I'm in upon the Patriots, and I think. Potentially, this is a position you could double dip too. If you want a slot guy at the top, you could get your ex and Jonathan Mingo later, or you could take a Quentin Johnson at the top if that's your flavor and try to go get a Tank Dell on day two or right. day three. And yep. uh, next thing you know, you got your Devontae Parker backup and you have your Juju Smith Schuster backup, and they're going to be com- competing for snaps immediately. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think it's, you know, it's worth noting about Zay Flowers that, you know, the reports at least were that one of the reasons why the Patriots agreed to do the Shrine Bowl in the first place was because they wanted to get their hands on Zay Flowers. They wanted to see what he looked like. They wanted to practice with him. So, you know, if that gives any indication into what they're looking for now, is it possible that Zay goes before they pick? I mean, that's, that's possible. It's unlikely, but it's possible at least. Um, But you'd think he's going to be there at 14. Now the question is, are they willing to spend that high of a draft pick on a wide receiver? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if Belichick would be willing to do it, but they might be if they think that that's going to be mm-hmm. going to really help significantly help the offense. I think they certainly would consider it. Yeah, and you don't show this much interest in wide receivers if you aren't at least thinking about it. Right. Yeah, that uh, I agree with. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think I mean that shows they're willing to. Maybe not with any of these guys, but as a general rule, I mean, I think. I think Bill knows how valuable receivers can be. And we talked about this after the last game of the regular season. 
that Stefan Diggs play uh, that touchdown. Josh right. Allen was a big part of that, obviously, but Stefan Diggs is also a huge part of that. And it's yeah. almost uncoverable in stretches and has been for a while. And I mean, Bill's a smart guy. You could tell the way he was talking about that. There's a certain amount of, hey, we played the defense the way we wanted to. Sometimes their guy is just that good. You, right. You need somebody who can stop it or you need somebody who can do it for you to win in the NFL in 2023. 100%. And I think that brings us to the next to the next position I want to talk about, and that's cornerback. Because you, we can sit here and talk about wide receiver and getting better on the offensive side of the ball, but we Belichick is a, is a defensive coach, right? And his defense plays their best when they have a shutdown number one corner, right? You had it in 2014, right, with with uh, with Revis. You didn't have 2018. it. 2018. Yeah, you didn't have it so much in 2016. You really didn't. Um, you know, they didn't have a but number they, they one had, corner, but they had enough. You know what they you know what they did have is a pass rush. Right. Very true. Good you, point. you need either the number one corner or the pass rush. Right, right. And then of course 2018, you had Gilmore. And then but, you know and for the, you had a pass rush that and you had too. a pass rush too, right? Right. And then the first three you had Ty Law, right? And a pass rush too. So um <laughs> You know, so it becomes it's the situation where you say, if your defense is truly going to be elite, do you need one of those guys? I think there are a few guys like that in this draft. I think that um, in my opinion, Christian Gonzalez is cornerback one. He's he's the guy I want. I just desperately want him. Uh, I think he's, he's a, a phenomenal fit. player and he does yeah, what the yeah. Patriots like, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anybody else I would take at 14 <clears throat> from the Patriots. Uh Banks. I believe it is from Maryland. Yeah, Deontay Banks, yeah. He intrigues me. I don't know about it. 14, maybe at like 25 if they trade back. Right. I don't know. Witherspoon, people are all over the place on him. I'm out on Joey Porter Jr., by the way. John and I watched him together. And I know John and I both kind of share an opinion on him that for being a press man corner, he doesn't actually seem to be that good at press <laughs> right now. Yeah, it seems to be much more reactive than proactive. The way he plays his techniques and the the way he does it, I just and he's not he's not super quick out of his breaks either. Typically, right. a guy like him, what you do is you're going to try to keep a hand on the receiver in some way and physically feel in advance which direction he's turning on stuff. And he would be doing that and then turning the wrong direction at the top of routes. And right. it's just yeah, I don't. No, it's I don't, not. I don't know. And it's not good. Also, and in the NFL, well, you need to call for that, you know? And you also add on, you know, Joey Porter, I don't think, Joey Porter Sr., I don't think got along very well with Bill. And no, he did not. I don't know how no. much that's going to impact stuff, but if there's a tiebreaker, if they like somebody else just as much, I don't think right. he ends up in New England. Right. And so it is interesting. And so you start looking at, I think corner is a deeper position. I know that there aren't as many guys, and, and I think Lazar has been on this and other guys have been as well. There aren't necessarily as many guys that fit exactly what they want to do necessarily defensively. But I do think that there are enough guys. Terrell Smith is a guy from Minnesota who I think is a guy that was relatively guy. unknown. Right, John really likes him. If, we, and, if he's able to get back in here, he'll give you the whole scouting report yeah. on him. So I like him. I'm a fan of him. Um, obviously, my guy Emmanuel Forbes. Look, I mean, you know how I feel about Forbes. I think he's he's a little, maybe a little too similar to Jack Jones for what the Patriots are going to want. But if you get two ball hawking corners on the outside that can play press man coverage, 
yeah, they're both small, but like they have a nose for the football and they're going to constantly create turnovers. Like, I don't know. That seems like a good trade-off. Like, you know. Yeah. And And one more guy, I'm sorry, is um, from South Carolina. Everyone's talking about Cam Smith. Darius Rush, to me, um, I might like even a little bit more than Cam Smith. I just think he he has some athletic traits that are really good. I think some of his coverage kills are really good. And you saw him at the senior bowl just absolutely locking people up. Um, And so I think, you know – that's that's a mid second round pick that I think could be an impact player. Uh, maybe not right off the bat, but you know, pretty close right off the bat. I think. Yeah. Well, I think this is an area where the the Patriots kind of have to figure out what it is they actually want to do, because I, I don't know. Like, if they want to be a heavy man defense team next year they'd need a legitimate cornerback one. I think the only one of those guys that, that they can get this year is um, the Christian Gonzalez. Outside right. of him, I don't think you're getting a guy that can elevate you this year. And even then, I mean, I don't know exactly how good he'll be year one. Yeah. So that said, that means whoever else you're getting is going to be in a rotation with guys. They're going to be, you're probably playing a bunch of, of zone right, around what they did last year. And yep. then it's okay. We're not really looking for a shutdown corner. We're looking for somebody to play a specific role in a zone defense who can also play some man. And if that's what you're looking for, then there's two very different prototypes of guys. I wouldn't be shocked if they just look for a bigger body outside guy who can just play some zone for them and give them a little bit more size. I also wouldn't be shocked if they don't draft somebody high and just look for a couple of veterans to fill out the back of the room. True. Like there's... They just drafted two running backs and two corners last year. At some point, you got to let those guys play. And now you have to like let them play. You have to have faith that they can do something. Right. Because otherwise, you're just going to keep drafting the same positions over and over and over Correct. again. Yeah. And none of them are good. Uh, and I, you know what? Marcus Jones and Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones, the three Joneses, I think you draft the guys last year with this in mind. Jalen Mills is a guy who probably plays some safety in some corner for you next mm-hmm. year. More safety, but he'll probably yeah. he can be your big body guy outside if you need him. True. And I think True. I think corners a spot you could draft in the first round, or you could not draft somebody the whole draft, and neither would really surprise me. Yeah. No, it's a great point. It, it's a great point. You know, and so and, it, and if they don't go corner, I expect them to get some kind of a pass rusher or defensive tackle or something like that. Because if you're yeah. gonna play zone, you want to have other guys and. John is not a young young guy, and Uche is, has not been extended yet. So right. you can get pass rushers on cheap contracts and, and look to replace guys in advance. You want you want the pass rushers. Well, and even as good as Uche played last year, you know he still was hurt for for a chunk of time. So then you wonder, yeah. like you know, how reliable is he going to be for the Patriots, right? And so. Um, so I think that that's, you know, it's interesting. It's just, it's just an interesting look at it. And so, you know, I do think there are some guys late um, that you could look at at corner and, and kind of see what happens. But defensive end and edge pass rush is tough. I mean, those guys go early, you know, like yeah. Nolan Smith's a guy that like maybe he'll be there at 14, like, you know, and if yeah. he is, maybe they take him. Like he uh, wouldn't surprise me. I think he's a fit for what the Patriots like. <laughs> Yeah, reminds me of Chandler Jones a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, and so so I think that that could be interesting. 
um, if they if they decide to go that route. And again, maybe they do. Maybe they say we want to go D tackle. We're going to go with a D tackle that can rush the passer. Um, you know, go with because I think there have been concerns with Christian Barmore for right. a couple of reasons here. I don't know exactly what role he's going to play on the team next year, and he's had a hard time staying on the field. Right. Lawrence Guy is obviously getting up there. Devon Godshaw is good, but he can't do it all. He's yeah. just good. He's just good. Right. You can you can always use more defensive tackles. Absolutely. Um, there's another defense. The defensive tackle. Oh, Mozzie Smith, out of Michigan. Okay. The defensive tackle who I think fits what they like because he's a run stuffer with pass rushing upside, and he's yeah. really really athletic. Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's the second round guy. I could totally see the Pats having their eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to go later in the draft, you know, a guy like Moro or Jomi uh, from from Texas is an interesting look, uh, interesting guy to look at, and and even like uh, Gervin Dexter, who there's a lot of question marks about him. I don't necessarily love him as a player, but you see some of the stuff that he can bring, and so you yeah. see the upside, and you're drafting him. You know, if that guy played consistently, he'd be going in the top and in, in in the first round easily. And he just doesn't. He doesn't play consistently. And so you're getting him in the third or fourth round, and you're just hoping that you can coach him up to be consistent. Um, so you know, I guess that that's that's going to kind of be the question as to whether that can happen or not. So D tackle is is interesting. Um, one guy that we talked about before that I just want to touch on here, linebacker wise, Jack Campbell. Um, I think he fits he, exactly he what the Patriots him. want to do. Yeah. He, because he plays the run, he's an all down, he would be an all down linebacker for the Patriots, right? A three down backer, you know, maybe even a four down backer if he's willing to play special teams because he plays the run extremely well. But he also, he also now is a physical freak. And super athletic. And so you can coach him up to be a guy that can cover as well because he has those athletic traits. And so, you know, that's it's just an intriguing prospect. Are they taking him in the first round? No. Will he go in the first round? It's possible, I suppose, with those types of numbers. I mean, he absolutely blew up the comp. He had like a 43-inch vertical or something stupid like that. So it's just – it's interesting to me um, yeah. with, with Campbell. So John is back. Let's see if we can get John uh, up and rolling. John, you there? Oh, yes. Sorry about that. There is nothing like waiting for something for two, three weeks and then having your laptop just crap out. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you're here. You're here at least, which is good. Um, yeah. So we got that going for us. Nice. We were talking, we talked about a few different people. Uh, I was told that you're very high on Terrell Smith uh, from Minnesota. Um who is a guy that that I just feel like nobody is talking about Terrell Smith. Like, n- no one, which is crazy to me because he looks like a good player to me. Yeah, I don't get it. I think people are just behind on him. Uh, he's really fluid for especially a guy his size. He has tremendous physicality, great long speed, uh, fantastic length. He is the best run-defending corner I've seen. If, you, if they want a guy that they can use in press – and, I, and I'm not just going to limit in the press, too. I think he's versatile. But he can take on the Mike Williams of the league. And he also, if he doesn't work out a corner, would be a terrific free safety. Yeah. Ooh, Which, I, 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 and that that's something we haven't talked a lot about in general. I feel like it's flown under the radar. Like, Devin McCourty retired. And 
right. had a lot of talk about replacing him. I think in large part, I mean, part of it's, I think Jalen Mills is expected to do part of it, but it's a weird safety class. Uh, you mentioned Charles Smith converting, John. Are there any safeties that interest you? I know you were looking at those today. Yeah, I was looking at them last night and today. Uh, there's a couple that I like. Cam Smith is a corner uh, great eyes, uh, super versatile, can, can really play in a lot of different schemes, but he would also fit at, at free safety. Sidney Brown is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Uh, he reminds me, if you took um, – okay, I'm going to butcher his name, but San Francisco's <laughs> strong safety. Um, oh, Tafunga? Yeah, him – and Antoine Winfield Jr., and you just kind of mash them together, that's the type of prospect he is. He has ball skills. He has physicality. He's he's good at reading and processing. I am all over him. And um, they actually just brought someone in for a visit who I think is a good fit. He might not have the range for single high, but he definitely does for split high, and that's um, – I think it's Jamie, but it could be Jamie Robinson. Uh, he's out of FSU, yeah. Yeah, super polished guy, and he's great. Did you guys hit tight ends though yet? I gotta, I gotta. No. Okay, okay, good. We're good, saving good. that because I know you got a lot of tight ends you want to talk about. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Pat, I don't see you. Oh, I didn't see your message. All right, uh, it's just me on video here. Um, we can. I think we can just do tight end then if you want to start jumping into it yeah we'll wait for pat um we can i can kind of go back around to some of the stuff we were talking about we did talk defensive tackle i mentioned mozzie smith as a guy i liked pat mentioned gervon dexter as a name he thought was interesting to him i don't know if, i know you have opinions on both of those guys if you want to share them yeah sure so um before i do that two other names i really like keanu benton i love him day two and jacqueline roy out of lsu those guys are, are fantastic but as for those two i love mozzie this dude is a beast he's 330 he plays like he's 300 uh, the only thing I would say for him is he needs some finish as a pass rusher, and he's not always great at the initial, like, timing the snap and getting off the start. Um, but he's better than that than Gervon Dexter. Gervon Dexter is a guy that really frustrated me to watch. Um 90% of the time, it looked like he had no idea what he was doing as a pass rusher. And then the other 10% it's like, oh, wow, where'd that come from? That bull rush with a swim over move that's just, you know, nailing it. Um, as a run defender, Gervon gets pushed around way too much. Um, and he is always late to, to the snap. It's like, you know, 1-1000, one, 2-1000, one thousand, one thousand, and he's still in his three-point stance. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? The physical skills are off the table, but I just – I don't know about that guy. Yeah, it's yeah, funny. i a lot of that. Go no, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Um, no, I mean, he's just – I've seen people be all, all over the place on Gervon Dexter. Like, the, the athletic traits are there, and so much of the other stuff isn't. And how you evaluate that, I think – goes team by team he's the type of guy who it's like oh i wouldn't be shocked if there's some team that like loves that and will take him higher but also nobody nobody might buy into it because of the stuff john's saying and he's gonna last longer than anybody thinks he will those are the types of guys it's hard to predict where they're actually going to end up on draft day yeah 
I, I mean, I just wonder, like, do you look at a guy, you have to look at a guy like that for his ceiling and not for his floor. His floor is a guy that just physically just, just can't play. Just can't play. He doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. But if you can coach him up enough and you can get him to play the right way and figure out, you know, how to react to the ball, what you see, the good that you see is so good that you're like, man, if we're getting this kid in the fourth round or something like that, like it's worth at least a dart throw to see if you can coach him up and have him figure things out. Now, if he's going in the second, third round, you know, early, you know, early to, to mid second, third round or late, uh, I'm sorry, late second round, early third round. Now you're looking at it saying, all right, that's too rich for me. But if you're in the fourth round or even the you know fourth, fifth round and, and that guy's on the board, like the talent like that doesn't come along all the, all the time. Right. And so that's why to me, it's like, Hey, take a dart throw and see what happens. Now, Belichick may say, screw that. I'm not doing that. Right. Certainly possible that he would do that, but I'd at least think about it. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Fourth, fifth round, day three, I have no problem taking a flyer on someone with his traits. But second, third round, a coach says, well, we can coach him up. Those are our famous last words. Right, 100%. Yep, exactly. <laughs> those, those are the words that get a GM fired right there. <laughs> yep, 100%. So um, I did mention – so, John, I, I stepped away for a second because my dog was going nuts. But um, you were talking about corners switching to safety. I had said uh, Keely Ringo. I thought would be an interesting name for that because he has so much speed, but like his click and close ability is not great, right? And so that stuff I look at and I'm like, I, I don't love that about him as a coverage corner, but if you stick him at safety, he's got all that range and he's a smart player. I feel like he would fit really well back there at free safety. Yeah, I have him projected as a free safety. I you know, Coach Williams, if you're not following him on Twitter, uh, shout out to Coach Williams. You should be. Uh, and the term he uses for Ringo is heavy feet. He just has heavy feet. And, and, yeah, part of that is eye discipline. He doesn't always have the best eye discipline, so he doesn't know when to gear down. But even when he does know when to gear down, it's just the, the footwork is not there. He just gets burned on comebacks and hitches, and he, I don't think he can do it. But with his speed and his clicking clothes coming downhill and his size, yeah, sign me up for him at free safety. Yeah. So that could be interesting. It's an interesting look at maybe at 46, they say we're going to take him and and he, he'll be the replacement for Devin McCourty, you know. And so uh, – and they love – you know, they love Georgia. So, you know, you never know. Um, we're kind of running a little bit late. What do you think? Any Anyone else – give me a few more guys. End. Oh, tight end. tight end. That's that's John's favorite that is an offensive right. line here. Before we go to tight end, John, because I know this, I know tight ends are there. Before, other than tight end, give me like two more guys at any position you want that you just think like the Patriots just have to draft this guy. Okay. First off, Jack Campbell, linebacker. Uh, I love Jack Campbell. Um, he is their prototypical size. He is the smartest linebacker in coverage I've seen. His ability to diagnose, stack and shed, take on linemen, uh, adjust in space to, uh, to to shifty runners. Like this guy blows me away. Uh, his zone coverage skills because he combines the best of both worlds, where he can take on the run just like Hightower, but he can play the pass like Mac Wilson. 
And that's just not something you from linebackers. It's really rare traits. Uh, so I yeah. love him. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, <sighs> let's go with Isaiah Foskey uh, for edge. So for, I think for edge, what they like, they like, they like a lot of different types, but Foskey, he has such great power. He's also good versus the run. Um, he had this goal line stance at Notre Dame where he just single-handedly saved the day multiple times. Like he is incredible. I would go to bat for him. I think Foskey is a round one player all day long. Uh, and I think he's a prototype fit and I think Bill's going to love his toughness. All right. All right. There's two good players on the defensive side of the ball. Both of those guys going certainly in the top 50, I think, um, probably in the late first round. I think you might be able to get Campbell at, in the early second, I think. Um, you know, off-ball linebacker isn't as uh, isn't as important as it used to be. It's still important, though. Like, it's still a really important position. Um, and so I think I would love it. I love Jack Campbell. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. One, one other name I want to mention before we go to tight end, because we're going to go to tight end. Well, there's two, actually. So uh, Andre Iazivas from Princeton is a dude that we just kind of stopped talking about him. Like he was at the Ryan Bowl, Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl. And I think he like played pretty well at the Senior Bowl. And people were like, oh, Bell is just going to like this guy and so on and so forth. And then like everyone just stopped talking about him. Um, he's got pretty good speed, big dude, um, you know, from Princeton. I think he could be a good player for the Patriots, a player that they might like that they can get in the third or fourth round. Um, and the other guy that I just, I don't understand. I was talking to, uh, who was it from, uh, Nesson? Uh, crap. I forget. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, Zach Cox from, from Nesson and Evan Hall is a dude from, from Northwestern running back from Northwestern. He in the last two seasons has caught 87 passes in the last two seasons out of the backfield, ran a four, four, seven, 40, a 6.9, three cone, and his pass blocking, like, isn't great. It's not good. Admittedly, it's not good. Okay. But out of the backfield, he's so smooth. And the Patriots, you know, eh, maybe they have that. Maybe they feel comfortable with Ty Montgomery there or Pierre Strong there. But to take a flyer in the fifth, sixth round on a guy like that, and even if you redshirt him for a year and try to get his pass blocking up to up to par, and you don't love what you get this year from the pass from the from the pass catching back, you can trot him out next year. And, you know, he's that guy that fills that role and you spend a, a six-round pick on him this year. I like both those guys. My candidate for the – because I think with with pass blocking, you can teach that as long as the willingness is there. I yeah. would say the guy I like for day three as their pass catching back of the future is Eric Gray. used to be at Tennessee, then Oklahoma. I think he shows a lot of promise as a route runner, and I, and I like his pass pro. As for the Princeton wide receiver, because I am not going to attempt to butcher the name, um, <laughs> finding tape on him has been pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, but I know that Jim Nagy really liked him, so I I can't wait to find more and dig in. He actually tweeted stuff out because he was like, I know people can't find things about me, so I'm going to tweet out video of, of my, some of my games because, that's, like, literally people can't find stuff of me. It's crazy. That's how you do your own PR right there. Yeah. 
It's a boss level move. Yep. Yep. So, all right, you ready for tight end? Let's do it. Let's do tight end. John, this is the best. This tight end class is outrageous. Taylor Kyle was on was on Twitter today saying how he didn't see it with this tight end class. I don't know what he's looking at because <laughs> no, he 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 just meant he. So, I, funny story. I've been talking to Taylor uh, a lot the past a uh, couple of weeks about prospects. He he was talking about in particular Luke Musgrave. He does see it for other guys though. Okay. All right. I thought he said, I thought he was saying like, I don't get it with this, why with this, uh, with this tight end class. And I was like, what Musgrave? I can see. I'm like, okay, he's fine. But, um, but yeah, I just think this tight end class is something we haven't seen before. And you know what? And I want to mention this because I thought someone, before we talk about the tight ends, somebody brought this up and I thought it was just so smart. And I don't know if it was the athletic pod. I don't remember who it was. Might've been the athletic pod. They were talking about why all of a sudden we're seeing these tight ends, right? And they were relating it back to March Madness in college basketball. And they said, you know, these guys that are 6'5", 6'6", and 260 pounds, those guys don't exist in basketball anymore. There's not a there's not a role for those guys in basketball, right? Now, there might be a role for them in college basketball, but there's not a role for them in the NBA. Those guys are never getting to the NBA. If you're 6'6", 260 pounds, like – Unless you can shoot the three lights out, nobody cares. <laughs> like yeah. nobody cares. You're, You're not playing in the NBA, right? And so those guys who could be those big body, you know, power forwards and maybe, you know, carve out a niche role for themselves in the NBA, it's not happening anymore. So those kids that are that size with that athleticism, and by the way, most of these guys have played basketball in their career, they're phasing out basketball now. And they're becoming football players. And so I think – I thought that was just an interesting take that I hadn't heard anyone say before. And so, um, you know, they're obviously a more popular podcast than us. And so you probably – people probably heard them say that. But if you haven't, I just think that that was a really interesting take on it that I thought was kind of a fascinating, you know, explanation of sorts for why we're seeing these freak athletes at a position like tight end where we haven't really seen a ton of that, you know, before the last few years. Yeah, that was the athletic. Uh, I remember that pod. It was a good one. And uh, I think when you look at, and not just, you know, from college, but when you look at the pro game and how uh, the cycles are continuing, I mean, right now, look at the teams that were doing damage in the playoffs. A lot of them had either uh, success in heavy sets that are 12 personnel or 21 personnel. So two tight ends, or a running back and a fullback with a tight end. And right. that's the counter to a lot of these more covered to more too high schemes, lighter, faster defenses is if you can either run it down their throat, but with that same group, pass it all over the yard. So think about the Eagles and what they did. The 49ers, those are two good examples. And the chiefs this year uh, lived a lot in 12 and 13 and the Patriots, I think had the right idea. But they just missed on the two guys. Yeah, John knew what I'm talking about. I know that's a terrible <laughs> bad. Bad joke, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, all right, who's your who's your number one guy at tight end in this class? Is it Dalton Kincaid or is there someone above him? It is Dalton Kincaid, and he's not your typical inline blocker, but he's a very good blocker in space. Um, uh, he is one of my few first round grades in this class. I love Kincaid. I think he could turn into the next Kelsey. But my tight end two is going to surprise you. Ooh. 
Luke Schoonmacher. Now, I've been on Luke for a while. I think Michigan is hiding him. He is the best – also, Matt, with a Michigan block. He <laughs> is the best blocker in the class. Yes, he is better than Darnell Washington. He has better form. He's um, He can take on – if you follow my Twitter, I have clips of him bulldozing defensive linemen. Oh, and did I mention he's an athletic freak too? Tested off the charts. Uh, Matt Waldman, RSP, said aspirationally, this guy has the toolbox that can – Again, aspirationally, turn into a Gronk type of player. He's that good. He was buried on Michigan's uh, uh, heavy rush attack, but he is incredible. Yeah. I think the Patriots love Shoemaker as well. I I think they like him a lot. Um, How much they like him is a question that I don't have the answer to, right? Will they take him in the second round? Will they take him in the third round? You know, will he last to the the fourth round? I don't know. You know what I mean? And so – yeah, John. Where would you take these guys? Would you take Kincaid at fourteen? Would you take Schoonmacher at uh, Schoonmaker? Schoonmacher at forty-six. I would take. Yeah, I would take Kincaid at fourteen, absolutely. And I would take Luke. I'm just going to say Luke. Uh, I would take him at forty-six. Um, now, look, is that high? Yes, but remember, Drew Sample, Josh Oliver, a lot of these guys that can block well go higher than expected. Yeah, yeah, especially if you have. I, you know, if you have the physical traits to do it, right? And that's a lot of the argument with guys like Broderick Jones and, you know, guys like that where you have those physical traits, and obviously that's a different position. But, like, if you have the physical traits, we'll live with some of the some of the stuff that we were like, oh, is it, you know, there's question marks, I think, for other guys. Whereas, Luke, you're getting a guy that you know can block. You know he's an elite blocker, and his testing is good. So you figure, all right, if we can develop the pass catching. Oh, and by the way, you have two pass catching tight ends right now. You don't need a third pass catching tight end, a dominant third. If you draft Dalton Kincaid at 14, what the hell are we doing? Like, what are we doing if you're drafting Dalton Kincaid at 14? Like, that's insanity to me. You're paying Hunter Henry, and you just signed Mike Gusecki. I realize neither of them are signed for next season. I get that. But you have the ability to draft a guy that can be a, an impact player today on your team. To me, you're wasting that pick with. And again, not that Kincaid isn't worth that pick. I think Kincaid's extremely good. I just think in the Patriots situation, it would be a, a, a not a waste of a pick. It would be a reach for me to draft him there, right? But Schoonmaker, you look at it and say, "Hey, we have this guy that you know we know we can block." And maybe he can develop as a pass catcher. Yeah, maybe we take him at 46. Maybe we trade down from 46 and take him in the 50s. And we're okay with that, right? Because we know he can do one thing really well. We can put him on the field today, and he can do that well. And then we can we can see what happens as a pass catcher. It takes a while for those guys to become good pass catchers in the NFL. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's a route that they could go. Yeah. And I think when it comes to draft strategy, too, if there's no offensive tackle that they absolutely love to see or they just don't want to go that route, you can get a wide receiver in the first round who can open up pretty quickly and a tight end in the second round who can block well, whether that's Mr. Luke out of Michigan or a a Darnell Washington out of Georgia, who's somebody I know you also like, John, then that helps your offensive line quite a bit. You can mitigate 
offensive line issues that way. And John, I want to, I know there's more tight ends than just those two. So I want to hear your thoughts on Darnell Washington. Yeah, I like Darnell quite a bit. Um, I think he's a guy that's more high floor, but the, the ceiling is medium. He reminds me of what they wanted Johnny to be, uh, but a better version of that. A guy that I know he's a way spender, but he is a good blocker. Uh, he's especially a good blocker in space. And he's someone that even when he is covered because of his frame, he's not covered. So right. he's and his, his run after catch is good too. Yeah. He's a, he's a fascinating pro- prospect. Um, fascinating. All right. Three guys that I want you to rank for me. Three tight ends. I want you to rank for me. Sam Laporta, Tucker craft and uh, Zach Kuntz. Okay. I have Laporta and craft in the same tier. I have high second rate, uh, high second round grades on both. Love them. I would say um, I'm going to put craft first because I think he can play in line. Uh, Laporta second, but I have no qualms switching them. Kuntz is, I have a, barely third round grade on or not third the day three grade on him i have like a equivalent to a sixth round grade on him i just i don't see it with the blocking he's he's pretty raw as a route runner i i loved his testing but he's just not on the same caliber prospect as those two guys sounds good sounds good and he's old dominion so it's a big jump yeah yeah the other name we haven't even brought up here is michael meyer out of, out of Notre Dame. Can't believe True. that name hasn't come, come up in this conversation, but he's somebody you go back two months and people were saying he was the number one tight end in this draft. Where does he fall on your board and, and how would you feel about a fit with New England there? He fits well, Matt. We've watched him together and I think uh, we basically came to the same conclusion with him. He's Hunter Henry, but a better blocker. And to me, he's my tight end five. Uh, or, or tight end six. I haven't completely fin- finalized my rankings. Uh, I like him. He's a high floor guy, but to me, he's sort of a, a second round kind of a prospect. He doesn't have the ceiling the other guys uh, do. Yeah. He's tricky because he, he came in at 249 at the combine, right? But he didn't test amazing. And for tight ends, you got to be amazing uh, to, to succeed in the NFL. So I'm just not as high on him as, as the rest. I, I like that assessment a lot. I, that's kind of where I'm with him. I just feel like he's fine. He's, he's fine, but he's not. He doesn't do anything amazingly, and so that's my biggest concern with him. Where I look at him and I'm like, is there anything that I can watch this guy? And I'm like, oh my god, like this guy does this off the charts well, right? And there really isn't anything. And he's solid across the board, but it's like that's not enough. I don't think at that position, you know. No, and it, I mean we'll see where he goes. Like he's a guy. If he's there in the third round, well, uh, that's a different so story, right? In the third round, yeah. then yeah. Right. But um, I don't know. I feel like it, this. I also see a situation here where it's a weird spot for New England, where there's a run on tight ends between where they pick in the second and third rounds in that gap. Yeah, where these Certainly guys are valued, and if which the other thing is, you you go back to last draft. Well, there's a run on receivers at the same spot, and Pat's kind of started the run by getting Tyquan Thornton, and that's the guy they wanted, which surprised people. Patriots calls would be in that position. They kind of start a run on tight ends and grab the guy out of this 
sponge that isn't Kincaid or if Kincaid is still there that they, they like the best. Right. Yep. Certainly true. Certainly true. And we know that the Patriots do that anyways, right? They, they look at it. And I, so for those, for those of us that aren't familiar, and by the way, we're an hour in. So if you're still listening, thank you. And kudos to you. Um, but yes. you know, the Patriots draft in a tiered system, right? And it's been well-documented and people have talked about it many times before, but the idea is that you tier guys so that you can look at, and John, you mentioned it too, because you're doing the same thing. And, and, you tier guys so that you say, okay, these are my tier one players. I have three guys in my tier one. Those are my best players available. I have to get those guys. If they're available, I want those guys. Well, if you're sitting there at 14 and you want a wide receiver, let's just say you want a wide receiver, right? And you have three guys in your top tier that are all still there. Well, now you can look at it and say, well, now we can trade back because we're, we're more comfortable doing that, right? Because those guys might be around. They might be available, right? If you're sitting in the second round and there's a bunch of tight ends on the board and you have similar, you know, similar tiers, you say, hey, you know what? We can move back a little bit or we can take another position of need and hope that either A, tight end lasts until, until 76 or B, we use one of our fourth round picks and take that third round pick and move up a little bit, right? And grab, you know, grab one of those guys when that tight end run starts or when one of those guys goes away. Now we can say, okay, now we got to go get this guy. So um, it does give them a little bit of an, not that everyone's not doing it, but I think everyone kind of does it that way now, but that's kind of how they look at things. And so, you know, like you say, you kind of see that run coming. They saw that run coming of wide receivers. They kind of anticipated and they said, we got to go get our guy. So they did. Right. And we can argue about whether that's the guy or not. And I don't know if he, if he will ever turn out to be a great pro or not, but they clearly felt that he was the best one there. So they went and go get him, you know? Right. And so, you know, I wanted it to be Pickens, but doesn't matter what I want because they wanted, they want to take one. So, um, you know, I think that becomes an interesting kind of subplot to it of, you know, not only where are they going to take them, but as the draft board starts to fall, now maybe they'll maybe they'll trade back. Maybe they'll have to trade up to get a guy, right? And so it all just depends on where their rankings have. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, uh, John, this has been great, man. This has been great. Is there? I, I want to give you some more time, though. Give me, give me two more guys. Two more guys that you're like, Jesus Christ, New England, just draft these freaking guys, right? Like that's it, like. If you if, like Bill Belichick's listening right now, and you're like Bill, draft these two guys right now. Okay, Jake Moody and um, Michael Turk. <laughs> nice. <laughs> let's go one on offense, one on defense. Defense. Let's start with. Let's go with Edge again. And let me give me a second on this one. Isaiah McGuire. This is a guy that's a later round pick, um, and I I love this guy. He's versatile. He can line up. Uh, he can play five five tech. He can play three tech um, on passing downs. Right. Uh, he can line up as an outside linebacker. I mean, there's so many things that he can do. Um, he has a tremendous bull rush. I mean, he was blowing the doors off of Broderick Jones. I loved that. He actually turns really well, too. He has good burst and bend for, for a guy his size. Really great length. Um, 
he needs to work on uh, some run defense issues. For example, he's got to anchor better versus double teams, but really this guy has a high floor as a rotational pass rusher. And he's so good on twists and stunts. You know how the Pats like to play games like that. Yeah. And this guy can twist around and bulldoze a center. And it, it's, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. He's a later round name, but I will, I will stand for him. I love it. You said edge. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's going to go with McGuire. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's one of my guys. Um, let's let's go to to wide receiver again. So let's say let's say that they can't get um, one of the top three guys. Someone I think that would fit well for them is Josh Downs. Josh Downs is a slot receiver, but. He can win vertically. He can do, use route pacing to win vertically. I know that not everyone loves him because of his size, but and he's not going to be for everyone, but he is a fit for what they do. He can run option routes all day long, and he has great uh, run-after catchability. He would be a smash hit in the offense. I like it. Well, there you go. One, one on each side of the ball. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, we got to get the hell out of here. So before we go though, yeah. we gotta do our we gotta do our final segment here. This has been a lot of fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. We've enjoyed having you on. Uh, but don't go away yet, because you have a uh, you have something from this week in sports history. So here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, John, you wanna lead us off here? I will. What major sporting event? 127 years ago, on this day, was uh, came back to life. Now, do you want a hint? One, I'm uh, Greek, so I'm Greek, and it happened in Athens. Oh, the Olympics? Oh, well, it's got it's got to be the Olympics. Yeah, that was going to be my guess yeah. anyway before you gave that. But yeah, it's the Summer Olympics. I mean, look, I'm Greek. What what do you oh, want wow. from me? Here? I like it. I, love I like that's a good representation there. That's a good one. I like it. Good one. That's a very good one. I like it. All right. Um, I cheated a little bit mine. It's not exactly this week. It's I think it's kind of technically closer to next week, but today was the first day of the Masters, so I'm doing it. This week in 1997 <laughs> was the uh, the first Masters win by, I'm assuming you guys can name this. Is it Tiger? Yeah. It was Tiger. Oh, sorry. oh, I was gonna say it must be Tiger, right? Anytime you yeah. say Masters, it's like it's, like, it's got to be Tiger, right? Yeah. So this this week in '97, Tiger's first Masters win, one year before I was born. Wowza! There you go. Look at yeah. that. Yeah. All right, Pat. All right. Off. So I got one. I have I have a an interesting one that is kind of yeah, it's a little bit cheating, but it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it nevertheless. Um. So, is my guy, Kurt Flood. Okay, I don't know if you, know, you guys know who Kurt Flood is. Uh, for, for all you old baseball historians out there, Kurt Flood um, sued the league, okay? Sued the league, uh, sued the MLB, I should say. There was a reserve clause in the original MLB that said, once you play with a team, you are you have to play with them forever basically, and they can do whatever they want with you. So th- so he played for the Cardinals. They traded him, and they were like, all right, we're going to trade you. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not going. Sorry. <laughs> and so he sued the Cardinals 
to try to overturn the reserve clause. Uh, ended up losing initially, went to the appeals court, and then on April 7th, 1971, well, it had already been dismissed, went to the appeals court, dismissed again. Um, and then it actually ended up year uh, the next year, I believe, in 1972, uh, in March of 1972, it was actually um, argued on the Supreme Court, um, argued before the Supreme Court, which I think was fascinating. And then that's essentially what ended up leading to um, what ended up leading to what's it called um, free agency in baseball, which you know was was interesting, and of course gave them significantly more uh, power than they had had ever in the past. And so uh, it was one monumental, yeah, one little tiny piece of that of that uh, of that fight, and it was a it was a bad moment, but nevertheless, I thought it was a good opportunity to bring up Craig Flood. Um, so yeah, so that's it. I like that. It's a good yeah. moment right there. Um, also, we forgot to mention Dante Scarnacchia officially in the Hall of Fame. Uh, shout out to my dad for he texting me. Appreciate you. Uh, just you know, Kraft every now and again will throw his weight around and say we're putting someone in today, and they went to go talk about you know who should be the next guy in, and you know, Kraft they were like, yep, no, he we he's got to be in. We debate constantly about whether it's the Brady dynasty or the Bill dynasty. No, it's the Dante Scarnecchia dynasty, and everybody else is just along for the ride. Yep, that's correct. So he's incredible. He's incredible. So uh, one of the best, one of the best assistant coaches of all time, um, and you know, deservedly so, is in the Patriots Hall of Fame. So yes, so good that. for him. Huge moment. Good for him. So uh, all right, this has been great, John. Before we let you go, sir, uh, where can uh, where can people interact with you? Talk to you. I'm on three places. Go show Slack channel. Message me if you're interested. Um, John at John A. Limbarakis at Twitter, uh, on Twitter. And then uh, if you are a member of Sons of Sam Horn in uh, it's an old school Boston yeah, chat forum. Uh, and it's that's where I do a post a lot of stuff. So thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a blast. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. A lot been of fun. Looking forward to this for a while. Oh we'll yeah, we got it again with a better internet connection next time. I know, right? You have to like rent a hotel room like Keegan did. Um, that's a that's an old that's a throwback. That's a that's a way back to uh, to years ago when Keegan was first on the show. But uh, but no, it was great. It was great. We got in depth on a bunch of players. Uh, hopefully, you're a little bit more knowledgeable with the draft than you were uh, before you started listening to the show. So you know that's what we try to provide you here. So. Anyways, John and Matt, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.